This is the Team Lotus Cares podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Hello, Maria. How are you doing today? You know, it's been a minute. I think I've missed these, our talks in doing this. You know, it, it, that's correct, because we've been doing interviews, and this is the first episode we've done in quite a while where it's just yes. me and you. Yep. And we've got a lot of, I would call this the et cetera show, because we have <laughs> a lot of things that we're going to be covering today, all of them around a central theme, though, and the biggest one starting out with uh, the MGM casinos and resorts breach. We just posted this up on our uh, podcast, or I should say our blog, here we are on the podcast, right? but right. Um, yeah, that we had, uh, we waited a little bit. A lot of folks rushed out and put up, a, you know, the blog posts about this. I, we held back a little bit because I felt like there was still more information coming developing. out. Yeah. Because yep. it was a developing story. And if you have not heard the MGM casinos and resorts, about 31 properties got hit hard by a cyber attack and I, uh, hackers were able to bring down, bring the the entire entertainment giant to their knees. I mean, this is the things that are affected. We don't even think about what's affected by technology. Until you don't have it. Until you don't have it. So Maria and I have a great personal story about this. Um, last week, we had a lightning strike right behind the house. It took, oh, my God. I felt that that was inside my office. <laughs> it took out our router and in uh, our modem and uh, or partially our modem, but Primarily took out our Calyptics uh, security appliance that we use in our home because we sec really believe in their uh, security and technology. But um, something else I love this they they sent an appliance, especially but since we're here in Florida, yes. like immediately, immediately we were up in uh, in hours. But in those hours, the sunset and evening settled in over Florida, and we were looking around going. Yeah, the lights aren't turning on. The automation was the, like gone. Yeah, the home automation was dead without uh, the infrastructure. And so we, you know, manually had to turn lights on and off. But And we survived. But it makes you stop and think of how many things are affected by security. Now, listen to the things affected in this hotel and, and chain of casinos and hotels and resorts. ATMs. That was the first thing they, in a casino, the first thing you're going to notice is the ATMs are dead. Um, and that out reportedly was the first thing they noticed. Electronic gaming systems, um, hotel door locks, even the in-room televisions were not working because the the uh, infrastructure was down. People trying to check out, front desk couldn't ring up their bill to check them out. New guests showing up had no reservations. It it. They finally just closed the doors and gave it up. It has to be mind-boggling trying to even figure out what's working, not working. I think we just take things for granted, you know, when technology is just humming along, just working fine. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the, the number of dollars and millions of dollars that this cost was has got to be I, – I, I can't even fathom it. If you are a person that's involved in operations at your company or IT at your company – so I've been in these situations where you're knocked out entirely. Nothing is working. And you've still got, you know, I, every time that I've been in these situations, I'm 
if I think back over the past 20 some years, they've all been, not all of them, but most of them have been manufacturing as far as completely entire systems out, whether it was a natural disaster or a, a, a ransomware attack. And in every occasion, not every, every occasion was different, but there were some of them where we had a plan and the plan kicked in. Yes. And we began working through the plan over the next three to four days, ultimately it turns into weeks. But um, I've also had this happen where there was no plan. So your team is there trying to figure out how to get things running again and trying to work with every department coming to you and trying to figure out what can we do without these systems, without the databases available, without our computer systems available. What can we get done to keep production moving without these computer systems? And I will tell you, you don't want to be in, I've been in both those situations where there's a plan and where there's no plan. And you can imagine when you're trying to get things running and also trying to recover data, it is beyond daunting and it's stress level 10. Yeah, I, simultaneous it's stress simultaneous issues. Stress level 11, actually. So as a business, it is important to have a plan. We think in Florida hurricanes, but it could be just an employee deleting a folder. Yeah. You know, yeah. one large folder that holds a lot of very important information for your business. You know, I mean, we just recently um, um, was assisting um, an organization that had to move some old records that have been around for decades. Yes. And so there was, like, like, we were in the transition assisting them um, in that. And I think that was the realization of how much data really was there yes. and how much that pinched. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, you, you, you know, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of folks over the years that have the, the attitude of, I don't have anything anybody wants and we don't have that much data and it's not important <laughs> until it's needed until it's needed until it's gone. Then you go, Holy cow. We really need that data. So it's important to put together a plan. And because as you can imagine, somebody like MGM casinos and resorts had to have what I believe to be fairly good security, but this, this is their downfall. And this is, you know, go out and walk around your office a little bit and meet the enemy. Um, it's not your employees that are the enemy. It's the fact that your employees are not aware of the threat that is the enemy. And that's what happened here. They say it was probably about a 10 minute phone call. Somebody called the support desk at uh, MGM and they were um, able to convince them now, nobody knows at this point, you know, there's a couple of different ways this could have went down. It could be somebody who posed to as a very important person in the company and intimidated the support desk person into, you know, giving them credentials, administrative credentials. I have a deadline. How could dare you? I have, you know, a board exactly. you know, scenario here. I have to get this, you know, these files over to the CEO right now. Yes. You know who you're talking to, that kind of thing. Or it could have been just somebody that was just, you know, playing dumb. And uh, But either way, we, we know who likely did this. It's called Scattered Spider. It's a hacker group uh, based here in the U.S. and Canada. Not a foreign 
attack group. And these are young people, and they believe some of them are under 18, which makes them believe that they're beyond the reach of the law, or at least severe punishment, which could be why that they um, did this. But what they did is called in, got themselves administrative credentials. This is what we believe. Um, then they were able to access business documents, personal information, social security numbers, client information, customer data. And then they were able to collect that and hold that hostage in the, in, um, you know, in other words, saying to the company, MGM, if you don't re- give us so much money, we're going to release this data to the dark web. And ultimately it's going to be available to criminals. See, this, this all speaks to like, you know, what you were talking about the plan, right? Um, where a lot of people are, feel so lax as like how in the world, like an organization like MGM not have, you know, these processes in place, you know, we talk about all day long, you know, do a authentication, putting, making sure that you have um, a specific code, you know, especially when it comes to certain um, protocols for an organization, when it comes to those sort of levels um, where there is a system in place that you can verify who you're talking to. Yes. And, and we, uh, you know, and I, I, and that's a good segue into what we do at Lotus. Of course, we do support desk for a number of companies and we are, um, you know, we have what I believe to be good protocols in place to verify who the caller is. They are who they say they are. But I will tell you, this is, uh, you know, we were talking about it. We had a team lunch last week. It was a discussion at the team lunch yes. because it's, and this, I, I like this because it's not just my concern. It's the concern of our people as well. You know, they, they, they have brought up these, you know, their concern about the, especially because they know AI is now involved and, and voice where they can now use AI voices to trick you. And so it, it, um, it's something that we're going to revisit in our company. You know, it's important, I think, to do that uh, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. We're all playing the same game. One of the things we're going to add, one of the suggestions from our uh, security advisors is role playing. Yes. And so we're going to do some role playing and that, you know, and um, there are beginning to be um, one of the things that we're going to see probably after, especially after this breach is not only email phishing campaigns where you use that to test employees, but also what we call vishing campaigns where they're going to have uh, people call your company and try and see if they can socially engineer themselves into a position of getting credentials or um, possibly gathering, you know, personal information. So. Yeah, it's it's refreshing that, you know, when um, we do have some some um, company rules in within internally. Right. Oh, yes, and absolutely. It's, it's important that the, the education is ongoing. I mean, this type of environment is, you know, we normally expected, you know, when you mentioned Canada and the U.S., we normally expect those type of attacks because they, that's indeed what it is. It is a criminal act. Mm-hmm. It is an, an attack. Yes. And it's now on your our U.S. soil um, when we typically expect this to be kind of, you know, from outside. I mean, it's like our book says, this is like global warfare. Right. Know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we just recently came out with our book. Your business is an international cyber security target. 
Um, and so now, now we have to rethink that title, <laughs> you know, but our guys are constantly learning. That is definitely a requirement to be in, under our employee. Yeah. And so um, during the course of a year, there is a, a certain percentage of education that has to be instilled on our day to day. And um, so this whole practice um, now implementation is going to be, you know, going to count for that. Yeah, the minimum we strive for. You know, and and I won't say it's a hard requirement because some weeks are busier than others, but um, uh, ten, you know, ten percent, at least ten percent of our technicians' time is spent in training. A lot of that is security training, and you know, it's balanced between uh, new security training that we we're introducing every week, and then also it's um, certifications that they're working towards as well, whether it's security, uh, enhancing their network knowledge, anything like that, or knowledge of networking. So, and then on weeks where, so I worked at McDonald's. What is it? I saw, we were kidding around the other day. How many people have worked oh, for yeah, McDonald's? That, that was a pretty high percentage. It was a high percentage. <laughs> I was one of them. And one of the uh, phrases, even back in the eighties was if you can lean, you can clean. Well, in our case, if you can, uh, if you're not working on a ticket or a project, then you are in some sort of training. And um, because we always have more training available than what you can get through, um, we invest a lot in training, that's for sure. So, um, and that's the key, is having employees aware of these phone calls. You know, and it's not just IT people. They can, your front desk receptionist probably has access to more information than you can possibly realize. They call him a gatekeeper for a reason. That's right. So let's talk about some other um, et cetera, as we're calling this <laughs> the et cetera episode. Um, so there's a, an, a, a thing called a move it transfer attack. There was a piece of software called move it transfer. Tons of companies used it. All this software did is move data from one place to another place. Pretty simple software, right? Well, it used a SQL database, and that SQL database had an interface, and some of those interfaces could be accessed pretty easily, and they also had a bug called a SQL injection. I won't go into all the details of it, but I will tell you that the SQL injection attack, the first one was recorded 25 years ago. Kind of comical, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't be so comical. It would be comical if it didn't involve the personal records of 57 million people around the world who've had their personal data released because of this known flaw that has been in this software um, up until recently. I, and even when the company discovered that they had the flaw, they didn't immediately fix it. They weren't in a big hurry. And then all the companies that own the software really weren't pushed to update their software and to patch it. Because again, this is almost like your outside air conditioner. When's the last time you looked at your outside air conditioner? No. Never. Until uh, it dies. Until it dies. <laughs> um, and that's what this software was. It just sits in the background, shuffles these files around, and based on a set of rules and... So you don't ever, you don't think about it. IT people don't think about it. And so, you know, that has a, a 
you know, they just announced this week another million victims have been identified because companies still have not updated this software. And these are fairly large companies, data processing companies, and one of them is an insurance company. And um, it's also a bank. Uh, it's a holding company of uh, Johnson Bank and Johnson Insurance called JFG. Uh, they didn't have a ton of victims, about 100,000 out of the whole big collection of another million. But, you know, again, um, just it, it, it's frustrating to see this, that, that companies aren't staying on top of this and keeping the software updated. And, you know, and it really takes somebody in a company with that security mindset of, um, you know, overseeing the security operations of a company. Well, you know, and that's just that people don't have like a security mindset. You know, the security right. is like, you know, let me lock my front door and my windows. And it's like, yeah, and occasionally you change my password, you know. But this is why it's important to have somebody that has a resource to be an advocate for you um, to make sure they have and, you know, eyes and ears and, and they're kind of monitoring things. And now there's some great resources and scanning, you know, penetration tests. Um, they're readily available. There's a lot of providers and, you know, true professionals in our industry that really, truly care about, you know, your security because it, it ultimately affects all of us. Yes. So, you know, have somebody that you trust, someone that, that is well equipped, someone that is insured properly and audited on a regular basis because they got to eat their own dog food. Yes. You know, they can't tell you that you have you have these needs and checkpoints and compliance issues when they're not doing the same internally. So right. that's really, you know, something, you know, how, and how do you test that? And how do you actually take a look? Ask. Yes. Ask that provider. Yes. What, you know, are you insured? And, and you know, in, in what are these, how do you protect your, you know, your scenarios? And, you know, what was the last time you were audited? You know, as, you know, for us, we have a third-party company that's a great partner for us. And we are able to bring some great resources, you know, to those that that we serve. And on occasion, we do have some, you know, licenses at the end of the month, pretty much is always, you know, is like, always, so, you know, so there's always a license available, um, typically. Um, so you could always call us and, you know, if you have a need, it's like, Hey, I have this inkling and it's like, how do I make sure that, you know, like this move it, you know, um, software is, you know, properly updated and make sure everything is working correctly. Um, how do I ensure that that's happening? You know, you want to make sure somebody can dig in and take a look. Yeah, because uh, we do ha have uh, third-party audits of our systems um, every 90 days, and then uh, it's reviewed with an analyst, and and then we go over it and make any changes that need to be made to our systems to you know look for these problems. And, and this is the thing that it made. So our company is 12 years old, and I will tell you every single quarter we find something. Yes, yeah. Because things change, uh, you know – let me tell you a little secret about IT people. IT people have one thought in their head when they're working. Get it done. <laughs> get this ticket done. Get the next one going. Um, because if, if you don't, the phone's going to ring and you're going to have another ticket. And so get it done. And occasionally things get missed. I mean, it's inevitable. That's why we say security is a journey. It's not a destination. So it's not like, okay, you're all secured now. You know, it's just like, you you walk the house before you go to bed. You check the doors and maybe you tug on a couple of windows and make sure everything is uh, locked up nice and tight before you go to bed. That's your daily security journey. Well, it's the same thing in your company as well. So 
don't think of it as a destination. One other breach I wanted to bring up that we're still seeing fallout from. Um, you may remember we covered it at the time that LastPass, the password manager that we have used in the past. At the very beginning, they yes. were like top notch. The best. Right. They brought forward a lot of technology that was just not existing out in the world. Yeah, it was, it was a trust no one platform. Uh, if you lost your master password, you were out of luck. It was, you know, that kind of security. Ultimately, they suffered a breach. They didn't handle it well. And people's passwords got out in the open. Well, if you have a cryptocurrency account and you use LastPass, change your, essentially create a new cryptocurrency account. That's what you need to do because the keys, if they're kept in your LastPass, could be out in the open. Oh, man. So, you know, to our point in regards to, you know, when it's, it's, it's just when things happen, how prepared are you? you yeah. Know, you know, how, you know, is there any systems or any, you know, thing that you could put in place to make sure that, you know, someone gives you a heads up? You know, it could be that you have a problem right at this moment as we speak. But if you have on a regular a system that, you know, you know that at some point someone's going to be able to say, okay, wow, we have an issue at the moment. And, and I mean, and that happens. Oh, and yeah. That happens. Yes. So how prepared are you to make sure that, you know, you correct that and, um, and make sure that is not an issue? We can correct it right now. Let's get a move on and uh, make sure that the systems continue to, to move forward um, in that way. Nothing, you know, as far as progress and um, procedures are not stopped. Absolutely. So enough bad news, doom and gloom. <laughs> uh, you know, we hate delivering this news, but it's, it's, it is our reality. And again, this, this was a, a big shakeup with this. It's not that bad grant. if you have the right tools. Well, that is correct. That is, it's not as bad, but, uh, but let's have some fun. So Microsoft is hiring, which is not surprising, a tech company hiring today, especially a company that's moving into, um, you know, more and more AI and, and things like that. They are looking for a principal program manager for their nuclear technology. Yes, I said nuclear. So Microsoft is working towards, so we're doing it right now. They're doing a technical assessment. So in other words, they're looking at the possibility of using small modular nuclear reactors and micro reactors to power their data centers for the Microsoft clouds. Think Microsoft 365, Azure, remote desktop. I know in the past few, matter of fact, at this point, Lotus has no servers. We in on premise, we have shut down all of our, our last server was shut down a few months ago mm -hmm. and 100%. we have entirely wow. moved to the cloud. Um, we had this last vestige of our, older systems. I think it was from 2016. And, um, and so it, it you know, companies all over are doing this and Microsoft has some concerns about the ability to depend on the power grid and, you know, probably cost is involved. It is, it, it amazes me that you would use enough electricity that it might be cheaper to start your own nuclear reactor. That's mind blowing. <laughs> but if you think about it, this is not that weird. We have little micro, we have little nuclear reactors floating all over the world right now, especially if you live in Florida or Georgia, there's some nearby in uh, nuclear powered submarines and aircraft carriers. So, you know, th this is not 
weird by any stretch of the imagination. If you can put them in a submarine, I'm sure you can put them in a data center. Microsoft's always looking for the, the efficiency, and it to me, it just you know, the Azure products are just amazing the yeah. way that they have their databases and being able to make sure they have the bandwidth to you know support you fast and efficiently and safely. Um, so this does not surprise me. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. I, 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 I I'm glad to see that they're looking into this because I. I I think in all honesty, and I'm going to be a little, some may not agree with me, but I think our future is nuclear. I mean, countries such as France are almost entirely nuclear and actually selling electricity to other countries in Europe. And I think our future is in uh, nuclear. So Microsoft sees it the same as I do. The future's here. (laughs) The future's here. (laughs) One last thing we wanted to dive into. Again, having a little bit of fun. So telephones have been around for 147 years. The iPhone 16 um, has, what was it, 15 has just come out. iPhone's been around 16 years. It doesn't seem that long. Yeah, I know. It's, it's I a, can't believe I said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this week we got FaceTime video voicemails um, as part of iOS 17. You'll be able to leave somebody a video voicemail. Now. Does anyone leave voicemails anymore? I, you know who I get voicemails from? People my age, in their 50s. That's who I get voicemails from. Young people do not leave voicemails. Well, I left you a voicemail. I go, seriously? I'm going to have to go into my voicemail? Now, this whole thing about leaving a voicemail on FaceTime, I, I know I have some friends that I thought it was really cool that they took the time and actually made a video and texted to you. No longer texting but just taking a quick video and text. So this is kind of the same premise. Right. Um, uh, my dad does video or uh, voice memos. Yeah, voice memos. So, uh, you know, he, he's not going to sit there and type on the phone. And so he does voice memos. But once you can't barely see the little buttons, right? right. And yep. then my fat fingers. You know, especially <laughs> if you have nails. It's like, you can't get that in. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you, know, you know, now I will say... Here's the risk with voicemail. And I've ran into this before. So with Voice Connects, we have, you know, our Voice Connects is our VoIP platform that we provide for a lot of businesses. Communications, yeah. We use it internally. And for a number of years now, we've had transcription service. Yes. And we use a very good transcription service, by the way. But it does make mistakes. It's not perfect. So more and more... Most of the time, I just read the transcription. I don't actually go listen to the voicemail unless it's completely not making any sense at so, all. Sometimes I just go in there and, and like every month or whatever and delete all my voicemails because I never go in there. I always have my transcription to read. Right. So. And so now the iPhone and iOS 17 does offer transcriptions as well. So that's a good thing. But the Washington Post had a long <laughs> article about the etiquette of the leaving a voicemail and I now this surprises me and then we're here talking about it and Maria you know before we got started recording and Maria said yeah I do that 
sending a text before you call. <laughs> it's, that's not foreign to me. <laughs> I, I would have never thought of doing that. Yeah, because if you call and that person's busy, and so you kind of wasted, you know. So, but if you say, "Hey, do you have a minute?" I can literally go and do something the next minute or so and get some. Yeah, you know, tax oriented. You know, you get you get that done, and then when they text you back, yeah, sure, I have time. Okay, now I can move on with my conversation. So let me present the opposite side of that. So I get into situations where I really, this morning I was like that. For one hour, I call it my deep work focus. I put my phone into deep work focus. I silence the phone in my office. And for one hour, I just bang on something and get it done. Knock it out, hopefully. But at least I, you know, I really work on it hard, whether it's one, two, three hours. If I've gotten a text that says, hey, I need to talk to you, got a minute? That's going to be just cooking on my brain for the next two or three hours. But I'm afraid to get on the phone because I don't want to break into my deep work focus time. So I, I don't agree with the whole send a text before. Look, if I'm... If I don't want to answer the call, I just don't answer the call. Well, no, exactly with the text is if you're in deep focus, don't look at your phone. Your phone shouldn't be anywhere near you. <laughs> but you know what it's going to go like? Somebody's going to text you and they're going to say, hey, do you got a minute? I want to talk to you. And you're right back. I, I'm just jumping into something. Let me call you back when I'm done. Now I got to remember to call you back. <laughs> yeah, negative. I wouldn't have ever answered. <laughs> So it, it that means I don't have the minute. <laughs> true, but um, anyway, I, I I found it intriguing. This is a long article too, about texting before you call, and and they're nice enough in the article. They give you permission. You don't have to answer your phone. Well, no, and, and that's just the thing. It's kind of interesting that you actually have that much conversation in regards to how to answer the phone. Et- you know, the etiquette of answering a phone or not. Right, and and they go into emotions or for voice. Facts are for text. Do not have an argument over text because that simple argument literally could become World War Three, or maybe already be there for War Four. So, you know, an international target. You mean? Yeah, an international <laughs> incident. But yeah, you really want to keep that. Emotions are for voice, and facts are for text. I, I like that line. That's nice. So I, I want to bring up something exciting that we have because we have all this conversation, you know, all these extras, right? Yes. Um, we have an event coming out on November 16th. This is exciting. This yeah. is going to be a great event. Absolutely. And it's going to basically speak to this, these things that we go on a day to day. It's like, you know, you, you listen to the news or you're reading something and you're like, oh my goodness, what now? So anyways, we have Robert Hershevik, we have Adam Sire, and we have Michael McAllowitz some, you know, leaders in our industry um, kind of targeting different nuances of what we go through in the small business. And um, small business, you know. And if you've never heard of or read Michael Malkowitz, any of his. I love his books. I, I, I can't even keep up with how many books he has yeah. now. You know what? And a lot of people, it's so interesting when, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking to people about our event, you know, the younger generation, you know, Shark Tank, you know, Robert Hershevik. <laughs> well, a lot. Some for those that don't know, he is a, one that has one of the 
on enterprise leading cybersecurity organizations yeah. out there in North America. Abso yes. Absolutely. And so when we talk in North America, Canada, US, the whole nine. So, and I've actually literally have you know we've met him personally. What yep. and when they say he's the nice shark, that's not a lie. That's not right. an exaggeration. And in person, when he is side, so I think it was in the spring. Yeah. We had an opportunity. He was side by side with um, the two other sharks, Mister Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, Damon. Damon, yeah, yeah, yep. and and the 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 difference between those three is so stark. But we've got the nice shark. Yes, we do. So he's going to be our keynote speaker, along with Adam Sire, which is a co-founder of Siri, um, and he's going to be talking about AI. So who better than him to talk about AI, AI and how it's going to be affecting us? Um, and then you know Michael McAlwitz, if you know. Um, He's got his background in FBI, and um, he's got a lot of great um, content. And and he's just a leader in as far as like you know small business practices and so and, you know best best practices. So we're excited about that. And of course, keynote speakers Curtis Partridge and Maria Partridge. That's right. Yours truly. We'll be also having our forty-five minute segment, um, and this is all virtual. So you know, go to Lotus Business Tech dot com backslash tech t e c h dash day d a y dash twenty twenty three and sign up you yep. know and you know join us um it's gonna be some great content our sponsors are are great and actually are, are allowing us to be able to, to bring off over this um great content um and there are going to be also we're gonna be having a watch party um and that's gonna be by invitation only so look for your invitation yes. Yeah, that's going to be a cool party as well. Absolutely. Great food, drinks, and a lot of great interaction. You can come out and argue with us about whether or not you should send that text before you make the phone call. <laughs> but seriously, though, we're going to have a lot of great people there yeah. for you to meet and talk to and, and hang out, have fun. Well, we appreciate your time and listening to us, and um, hopefully we're bringing you, so, you know, those the right things that you would want to listen to, and we can answer some questions and help you out. It is not doom and gloom. There is hope out there and yeah. um, a lot of great resources. Um, but we will catch you in the next time. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services, business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.